Welcome to the Hoops and How to Podcast. I am Malika. Brandon is also here from the rubric, and we are joined by my friends Fahim and Nelly from the one of my favorite podcasts, the Good Rookies Podcast. Um, so really excited to have my favorite Raptor fans here. Um, this is the Raptors off-season show. So why don't you guys say hello to the folks? And um, we would dive right into you guys' um, club out there the, in Canada. Awesome. So first, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> hey, what up? Uh, welcome. I'm happy to join you guys. Um, excited for this new venture uh, by, by, the, by the team. So just excited to be on the podcast. Big up to everybody, all the basketball fans. This offseason has been very tantalizing. I must say <laughs> it's been very entertaining. So um, for all teams, including Toronto. So I'm excited to kind of kick it with y'all tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's- yep. Yep. Uh, Fahim. No, I was going to say thanks for having us on tonight. I'm really excited. Uh, Lika, you've been in some of our spaces before. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about it before. And uh, like Nelly Joe was saying about uh, this off season, a lot of changes and possibly some more changes that hopefully we'll get into. Oh yeah, I'm expecting yeah. more from Masai. Um, but let's start, I like to start off with, um, from the top down, um, let's start off with ownership. You know, like, um, how are you feeling about your ownership ownership group going into this new, maybe new direction, new, new season coming up. How are you feeling about the Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Group? Like, how are you feeling about them? Do you feel they are, you know, know making the right decisions? Yeah, like, I think our ownership group is so different from a lot of teams. I'm trying to think what other team is owned by, like, a corporation like that. Maybe you guys know more than I do. The Wizards. The Wizards, yep, yep. Uh, but the Wizards aren't really, a, I mean, they're a team, I guess, but okay. Um, they're like a conglomerate. And I'm so bad. They the they Warriors. Call the Wizards fads, man. Shot, the shots Warriors, fired. So a, um, they, they got some stray bullets. The Warriors have ownership. Like, so similar to those teams, I feel like our ownership group stays out the way. Um, I've never heard our ownership group other than the Roger guy, Roger's guy. You know who I'm talking about in Toronto. But other than him. The ownership group typically they trust Masai, they trust the front office they hired to run the team. And keep in mind, our, our ownership uh, group owns the Toronto Maple Leafs, the mm-hmm. Rap uh, FC, and the Argonauts. So they own four Toronto Major League Sport teams. Um, I guess you can call the Argonauts a Major League Sports team, but they own four. And so I just think that um, the good thing about the ownership group though is that the Raptors have superseded in terms of franchise value over the Maple Leafs, who is the number one franchise in the NHL in in terms of value. So the fact that a basketball team is the highest valued team in the country right now, that's pretty dope. Being someone from, you know, living in Toronto the last how many years and a struggle to get basketball to get that attention. So now I think it's it's rising up. So I think they've done a pretty good job in helping or, or supporting a side to, you know, grow the game of basketball in Canada and Toronto. That's my thoughts, Fahim. Uh, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. So uh, a long-standing, uh, I guess, conglomerate in, in Canada, right? As Nelly G was mentioning, the teams that we have, but 
So it wasn't until we got Tim Laiwiki. And Tim Laiwiki, he's someone who was with the Lakers prior. Um, you know, he was, it wasn't until he came to Toronto. Like people talk about the success and the changes uh, that happened in Toronto. It didn't obviously happen overnight. Uh, but before time with Tim Laiwiki, MLSE, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, they failed in regards to the type of management we had. We had people that could be considered more, maybe more hockey oriented. Uh, we didn't really have mm -hmm. real basketball people in, or if we did have basketball people in, they weren't in for long enough to make a difference. But Tim Laiwiki came in, he was hired by Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. His first movie did was, we had Brian Colangelo at the time, he took out Brian Colangelo, replaced him with Masai Ujiri. That was the biggest move in franchise history. Um, and from that move, then we know all the moves that uh, Masai was able to make under MLSE. So they kind of empowered him to do what he needs to do. So overall, uh, I think MLSE's done a great job as of late, most recent years, um, in regards to our moves on the off season. We can get into that just in a bit, but uh, for the most part, I like the direction. Uh, I can't really make, say when moves happen in, in, in uh, for the Raptors. I don't equate our management as in Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. I more equate to the division of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which is the basketball division. And that starts with Masai Ujiri as the president and then under him, uh, Bobby Webster. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to add on top of what Fahim said, uh, the really cool thing too is that this is a major ownership group. And right now the interim president is a woman, um, Cynthia Devine, uh, so she, she's a CFO. Of Maple Leaf in Sports, and she's the interim president right now. Um, so, I mean, not too many ownership groups that probably manage billions and billions of uh, sports ownership is run by women, right? In sports, so I want to give her a quick shout out as well. Oh, nice! That's 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 a big deal because there's not that many across all four major sports. So, I mean, I can think of Sandra Douglas with the Raiders. Mm. Sent Marshall with the Mavs, and I think I'm running out of names. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. good. So mm -hmm. I, I appreciate y'all being on. One of the things I'm interested in, when I think about ownership groups, I think about them from two perspectives. One, their ability to manage a franchise or a team, make basketball decisions. And the other is connect with fans. And I would assume the greater value of a team is really derived from their connection with fans. What do you think is a big change or what did they unlock? What did this new ownership group unlock to reach more fans, to grow their audience beyond just what they normally have had? I mean, because Canada's huge. I mean, <laughs> you know, it spans both coasts of the U.S., but I was never sure like where the majority of their basketball fans came from. Uh, so, so what, can you speak to that a little bit about how, how they're changing the game for the, for the Raptors? That's a good question. I think we're so unique in Canada because remember we had two NBA franchises and one got moved to Memphis. Uh -huh. So I think those two teams generated fans in those cities. And oh, then what was really interesting is that Canada had a big swoop of immigrants coming in from the okay. 80s to now. We're always trying to get immigrants to come and live here. Like it's been a big thing. Like my family immigrated to Canada in 89 and before that most of my friends from the caribbean all came here between the 70s and 80s because uh trudeau his dad was big on getting immigrants to come here because there were so many jobs keep in mind y'all canada is 39 million i think we reached 40 million this year 
I think California is 39 million. I think we Texas have like, is like 25 30. million in the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So even though our landscape is massive, our population is still a state. We're equipped. We, we equal a state in America. That You know what I'm saying? So in terms of population. So but I, what I would say is that they've tapped into different cultures. They have Caribbean night for the first time where Patrice sang up there. Uh, the WNBA, they had Julie Black sing. She's a, she's actually a, an artist um, out of Toronto. Uh, we've had like other mashups. We've, we've, we've had lots with Prince who would come to games, you know, rest in peace Prince. He was a big Vince Carter fan. So I think they tapped into the culture of the city and the immigrants. And most of the fans you see are black, uh, Asian, East Asian. They're from other countries. And of course, um, Canadians, of course, are all diverse. But I feel like the immigrants coming in, when they come here, they, they're, they're fans of hockey, the Leafs and Raptors. Like now we're, we're hand in hand. So I think they did a really good job in connecting. I also want to big up our super fan, and Fahim probably knows his name. I forgot. I see his face, but his name. But he uh, also, Bakia. yes, he's also someone that um, does lots of uh, community service where lots of camps, like in the summertime or any any camp, they get free tickets to games. Like they're always trying to get kids to come to games. They'll have like basketball camp day. They have they do so much theme nights at these games to tap and I think to the people, the culture as well so i i would say that i think was more connecting and even the front office i know some, some folks that work in the front office they're from where i'm from they have similar background to me and they understand the culture so they have a, a really great diverse uh type front office i would say as well mm-hmm. okay. uh, so toronto represents approximately eight maybe nine percent of the entire population of the country right the city itself uh, now, one thing about Toronto is, like we, we, everyone knows, it's very diverse. I can't say that the outreach, like Nelly J made a good point, saying that they just started a Caribbean night just this year. The Raptors have been around for 20 some odd years, but it's only happening right now. So I still think, if anything, I think the biggest, the biggest change would be winning, you know? us winning the championship and people going to that parade and seeing everybody, whether they were a casual basketball fan or not, just the fact that their city was doing it on a global, like a big stage, that has spawned probably another generation of a fan that maybe wasn't there before. You know, uh, it's funny, I made mention earlier to somebody about the Golden State Warriors. Golden State was never a destination to go to on the offseason or play, really. You know, when you think of like Run TMC and, you know, uh, Steve, Stephen Jackson, uh, you know, uh, Ben David. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like they never, no one on the offseason said, I wanted to go to Golden State back in the day. It wasn't until they got Steph and Clay and they started winning and all of a sudden now they're a destination. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I feel like winning has done for Toronto. It's not, now mind you, we're not a destination for free agents. But we are definitely on the casual, maybe hockey, casual, maybe Toronto Blue Jays baseball. Um, winning that championship has really pulled over people to be more in a casual fan. I think. Oh, that's great. Um, let, what do you think of? And, and let's have a. I remember when I was on your space, and I mentioned Masai Ujiri's name and <laughs> and, and question what you know his. Oh man! I Sorry about his, that. Him oh, and man. GM, and his not saying that he's not a good GM. I right. just wanted to see if 
fans had this amazing love for him as portrayed in the media that he's just this guru that can't do no wrong. I was curious how the fan base felt and, and Brandon, let's just say there was a fan that came from me. I mean, he yeah. came for, he got, he was spirited about it. <laughs> and I, I appreciate the Raptor fans um, love for their team and, and, and love for their GM. But how do you guys feel about Masai, Jerry? Do you feel like he, I mean, first of all, let me first of all correct this because I, I just made the mistake that a lot of people make when they talk about Toronto. The GM yes. is Bobby Webster. Thank right, you. Right. And Masai <laughs> Ujiri is the president of basketball operations. That's right. Correct. Yeah. Thank How you. How do you yeah. feel? But Masai about... was, just, just, to, just to your credit, Masai was the GM before. So you're not, you get part marks for sure. <laughs> so what do you think about the job they're, they are both doing? And then we can move on to your coaching staff after that. Um, I, I think Raptor fans won a championship and not people, you know, excuse my French, shit don't stink. That's not true. Like, unfortunately. Is it what Masai, have you said to me lately? Part, well, the thing for me is that I feel like Masai has made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> a lot. I have I've not been happy. His draft picks have not panned out. He's wasted a lot of draft picks on these random guys. No offense to, uh, but a lot of guards. Like if you look up our, our our picks, it's like Africans are guards. It's like it's like two extremes, right? I think Scotty Barnes was our, our best pick in the last four or five years. Um, looking at our like Raptors draft history, and it's something where I, I just think that for Toronto, like. I feel like I get it. It's hard. It's like, you know, you're drafting with the potential. And keep in mind, guys, if you look up draft picks overall, okay, the majority of an NBA draft, I think only the number, I think only 30% get a second year deal. 30%. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't expect Masai to draft and get that correct. My goal for him is to bring in players, make the right trades, right? And, and make Toronto a destination for people that want to come here. And so on that aspect, I think he's been excellent because now players like I heard uh, one player who, who actually was with us uh, this past year. And he was like, I really like Toronto. want to go back. And I'm like, oh, like this is really cool. So players who come here really enjoy it. But it's to have them come here and convince them to come here. Right. Um, so I think Masai's done a good job in creating a healthy environment. I think this past year was an off year for a lot of different reasons, which I don't want to get into. But Masai can make mistakes. He's not perfect. No GM, no president's perfect, right? Like no one is. Everyone has made bad draft pickups. I've made draft picks. And I think the issue with some fans is that they're either extremely like, oh, Masai's awful. He's terrible. Or they're like, Masai's so perfect. He's so great. And I'm more in the middle. I'm like, no, Masai is doing the best he can with what he has. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm liking, I actually like the great pickup. I like Coloco. I like Scotty. Um, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so those are good pickups, but now the next step is development. It's getting them in the right system. It's finding the right coach to help facilitate their growth. And I feel like with our past coach, a lot of the young guys that came in, were not getting that energy. You know what I'm saying? Under, so it, it's kind of like, I'm not sure what that is. Is it front office? Probably not. It's probably like coaching staff, development head. That's not Masai, right? But I do see his pickups, like for example, the Dewan Hernandez pickup. What, what the hell was that? Like, 
what? You know what I'm saying? But again, the second round draft pick, you're not going to get a lot of great guys in the second round at the end. So for me, it's like Masai is not perfect. And I don't mind if someone, you know, is critical of him. But I do think Masai has to hire Malika, uh, the right people to support his players. I don't think he did a good job with that. I think that's where I'm more of Masai, who are you hiring, bruh? Who is coaching our team? Who's helping these guys develop? Because I'm not seeing improvement from year to year. So I guess I'll land there. How about you, Fahim? Um, maybe a little. I, I kind of see it maybe a little bit different in regards to draft picks. Uh, when I look from the time, so you mentioned Scotty. Scotty's a first round pick, lottery pick. Mm -hmm. uh, Masai hasn't had a lot of lottery pick options while he's been a GM because we've always been a relatively winning team. You know, uh, the one time we really faltered, which was in fact Tampa is why we end up getting Scotty, right? Uh, you know, like uh, I look in the first round here from the side real quick. It goes Pascal, I give that a thumbs up. Hurdle, thumbs up. Uh, OG, thumbs up. These are all first round, by the way. Um, yeah, the I mean, but but looking at that draft <laughs> class, there's, there are better guys that he could have picked up, but okay. I mean, okay. Yeah, they're um, good. Uh, Dewan Hernandez, he's second round, yet, but like you mentioned, he's second round, 59th pick. So like once you get to the end of second round, that's all you scrape. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't fault you for that. Like, okay. I, I just don't Jalen think... Har Jalen Harris, he's a second round, end of the end, uh, 59th pick also. Malachi um, Flynn, we missed Mal Desmond Bain, go ahead. First round, but he was a third, the first round, but he was the end of the first round. Like he's a 29th pick. But, but we didn't pick Desmond Bain. <laughs> there were guys that we didn't Let me up. just say but... real quick, and, and, and I'll let you finish, Fahim, because I hear you, Nelly, with, with, with the picks that were missed. But one thing I will say about the draft, the draft is a guessing game almost. It really is. Like, you, right. could do the, you could do the research. You have people who are scouts. You do the research. You go to the workouts. You go watch them play a few times a season. They're doing that with a bunch of players, taking all these notes, getting all these videos. And you're projecting how this player is going to develop. How are they going to um, work? How hard are they going to work? Are they going to have that quote unquote? I know this is Jerry West thing going around. I need to do a mini video on that mm -hmm. dog in them. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. wolf. Yeah, yeah. I, I got it. But yeah, I just wanted to say that part. With draft, yeah. it's, it's, it's not an exact science. Some teams are better at second rounders than at first. Well, <laughs> the I, I, Hornets. But yeah, my I point think, initially yeah. was that like my point, I, I didn't say he's a bad gym because of that. I don't think the draft picks that we've had fit with what we needed, right? Well, who would draft two guards in what like no one drafts two small guards in like one and two. That's that's weird to me. So I'm not saying he's awful. I'm just saying he's made mistakes, right? Like to say that every draft pick he's made has been great. I'm not buying that. That, that's belonging to me you know but what i'm saying I, so, I all, so all i'm saying is that like i'm not saying he's been bad at drafting but i'm thinking he's, he's had misses you, you don't draft and two guards first round second round in a draft that's to me is that's that's bad best practices go ahead what you, what you got great yeah go ahead well sorry uh just gonna say like uh, to be a good gm he doesn't have to or any gm i don't think well, president to, president but, not gm you know. anymore <laughs> You could talk about Bobby <laughs> yeah. Wester. When you talk about them, yeah. talking about them in tandem, you know, okay. like they're together, not just Masai. It's really the front office. You could just the front office. Yeah, they should, anyone should be allowed to have some misses. I mean, no one's going to be perfect all the time. 
I just think it's amount of the percentages of hits than misses. And I, I think overall, Masai has a lot more hits than he does misses. Um, that's all. Now, pers perspective, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. So I look at a GM far beyond their ability to draft. I think that's somewhat good, but I don't think that's the key thing like it used to be for the NBA in today's NBA. It's not draft picks. It will uh, be with this new CBA, which, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with them though. I, I think it's true. I think like building something, right? Like culture. I, I get you, but mm -hmm. it's going to start with your top stars. Like, and they're still mm -hmm. going to be in the league. That's going to drive the league. Regardless of what the CBA says, as long as you have the top 10 guys, call it LeBron, uh, John Moran, Damian Lillard, you know, go down the list. As long as players of that caliber who are leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else, they'll drive what teams are doing. So I always wonder about a strategy in free agency uh, because without Kawhi Leonard in that move, we're not really talking about a championship. No. And that was a one and done, mm -hmm. which means that it wasn't a secure draft. It was like, a am going to reach for the sky. And right. if I get, I make it. If I miss, I miss. And we're looking at him totally different today without an NBA championship. And you had your staples in your organization, call it DeMar DeRozan, call it um, Kyle Lowry, who are no longer with the organization. Mm -hmm. Also, what I looked at were synonymous with the city of Toronto. <laughs> when you looked at those players and they don't have them, how do they, uh, how do they make moves in free agency? That's what I'm really wondering because that's where you're gonna make strides getting past the second round of the playoffs. It's not gonna be in your in your draft classes yeah As, i mean i agree lucky, like, i get you can get lucky i understand not everybody's yeah. in the state where we get to draft our guys and keep them forever yeah that's not the norm is what i'm saying oh no for sure and I, I, that's why i think my first statement was like 30 percent of pickups don't, don't get a second contract right so i think we, like we all like that's what i said initially because i know draft is not a, a exact science so i'll yeah. never judge someone by just drafting but to your point, I did mention like trades and offseason pickups also matter as a GM. And I think with the Raptors, like they're getting better um, in terms of acquiring free agency. At one point, we weren't getting free agents coming here. If they can decide between Toronto and somewhere else, they're picking that other team. I think only the last recent years, we got like a Will Barton, who I mean, Otto Porter Jr. That was, we were like, what? He picked us over other teams? Will yeah. Barton, what? He picked us over other teams? Schroeder yeah. picked us over like like the last three years and, and to Fiend's point us winning we're now getting guys who actually are picking us over other teams in America and that was never a thing for us we had to we had to rely on the draft that was our only way for okay. a trade <laughs> that was it and once the contract was up we were like oh man he ain't coming back <laughs> you know what I'm saying so to your point I do think they've made better strides in free agency and I think the moves they're making is like, for example, they went to LA, right? With other teams to, to talk to players and sign them this off season. Stuff like that is what I wanna see, right? We're going to the States, we're going to like, you know, recruiting, we're talking to players, we're, we're being a summer league, like we gotta be out there. We have to be involved. Um, Right now, I know for people that I know, they're in right, right on Vegas, in the summer league, right? Meeting people, networking to your point. So to make changes, people gotta like you. They gotta trust that you're gonna take care of them as a player. So I think what they're doing now more often is that they're being more visible 
in the culture of basketball. And so I think that's going to be a big part of us because players now are like, you know what? Toronto isn't that far. You know what? It's pretty nice. And, you know, when, um, so, so to your point, yeah, I, I think we're making strides in that aspect. I think we're improving a lot more in getting guys who want to sign with us over other teams in the States. Okay. I heard some players even say real quick, I just heard some, some players even say Toronto is one of their favorite cities and you know like to play in and 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 to go so i you know like in terms of when they go on the road or you know like one of their favorite series period is toronto so you know like it is a, a you know like looked upon positively you know like overall um so that's a good thing but Fahim, go ahead and then we can move on to coaches and the roster okay i maybe have a little bit of a different angle on it um, I don't think that we've really made that much leeway. Uh, the guys that uh, Nelly had mentioned, uh, Schroeder, uh, Otto Porter Jr. Uh, who was the third one there? Uh, real quick, if you remember Nelly J. The third oh, yeah. One. Otto picked us over two teams uh, yeah, last Otto, summer. Otto, Schroeder, and then Will and Barton picked us Will over Barton, a couple teams. Yep. And those, then this year, Dennis Schroeder just pumped, yeah, picked us. Yeah. yeah. So they picked us, but they're like... They're not, they're not top players. players. At the top, they're yeah. not top players. No, you know what I'm saying, and and that's no, been always that that's, been, that's been our <laughs> our kind of Achilles heel. We can never get a top tier player to want to come to Toronto in free agency. And to Malika's point, much is true. Like a lot of players, Charles Barkley's always on TNT saying about Toronto's his favorite city and stuff. The difference between Toronto being your favorite city to come visit and actually to come play in. And quite honestly. Our biggest free agency that I can remember that we signed in the in, in, on the offseason was uh, maybe Jermaine O'Neal back in the day or like Hidu Turkoglu. Uh, whenever we fry, sign a free agent, it's always either someone who's we've drafted that we've re-signed in free agency. But we never get a big free agent to say, hey, you know what, let me come to Toronto and play. So until we can get to the point where we can get a big free agent choosing Toronto to come play, then I think we'll be making strides ahead. At this point, I don't think we've made much progress. I'm going to do a reverse order and go a little, we're going to end with the coaches. Let's go into, uh, you guys lost Fred Van Vliet, um, which, you know, like, I don't, I think he wasn't looked upon as positively um, over the last season. Um, and maybe you guys feel like, I mean, it was, talk that he may possibly return but that three-year deal he got from houston and i don't know what the base number is but i guess the max is 130 he can make under that deal or it's all guaranteed i think it's <laughs> i think it's I all think it's guaranteed and, and i think also they got it because if they didn't pay him they'll, they'll lose the money i think it's something where they have to pay somebody that money yeah because so. they had to hit a floor with the new cba you have exactly to um, and I just, yeah, so how, I mean, let's talk about losing Fred VanVleet and, and how you felt about, and are your honest feelings on that? I'll, Fred, I'll, I'll him go first about this. Oh, Fred, yeah, real quick, Fred, uh, you know, as we know, undrafted uh, 905 G League to get him, uh, you know, G League, uh, coming on under Kyle Lowry, uh, be part of uh, complimentary police in our championship run. Uh, maybe kind of take over the franchise after Kawhi left. Like we've watched his growth, and um, I think it just came down to like you mentioned this past year. What's happened this past year was uh, Fred. Just the fact that he can go on the market and command this kind of salary in today's market goes to show that where he is as a player, 
and the where he is as a player now and the player that we need on our on our team it didn't seem to gel and i think the fans were feeling it also he was feeling like he just needed a more uh you know a more primary role that he wasn't going to get playing with other people on this team so um i'm ha- like i'm actually happy that he's gone um onto a better situation for a better fit for him where he is in his career right now because if he came back for another year i think he'd just be holding back a lot of players from growing yeah i will say this just look at the body language of the players coming off the bench playing with fred versus okay. how they played with pascal and scotty like when fred had the ball they were just standing looking at him like he would give us the ball so they weren't even trying to like you know get cuts or nothing like they weren't moving they just stood at the at, at the outside and go go ahead fred the dash three a fake a fake layup that's gonna fall on his back looking for a foul like at that point like fred was playing for a contract this what he has now that was his goal his goal wasn't to help toronto win i mean he can say that but if you look at the if you, if you look at other teams who play team basketball i felt like fred was not playing team basketball as a point guard, his job is to facilitate and direct and be extension of the coach. He was not doing that for the Raptors at all. Um, he was playing a lot more selfish, going on tours. So uh, for me, even on his off nights, he just wouldn't give up the ball. So I I think for me, uh, for me and a lot of fans, we were frustrated with his playmaking, decision-making, his missing a lot of shots, him shooting 39% from the field. That okay. is, for a point guard, you're 5'11", 6 feet. I mean, at least average 10 assists or something like, yeah. so I think, um, you know, what, what he wants to do, was it matching where the team was going and it showed, I know Masai mentioned things like selfish players. We all thought about Fred. Let's be real. We all did. When he mentioned people were playing selfish, that was Fred, a banner in front of him. So, I mean, like Fred was playing for his contract. So, which is fine. He got his money. I wish him all the best, but I made it very clear. I did not want to see Fred or Nick Nurse on his team next season. And I'm happy that those two things have occurred. Can I punch this yeah. in real quick? I want to punch this yeah. in real quick. I want to ask a question. So, uh, Fred VanVleet, he's gone to Houston. Is it fair to assume that by his contract, he's going to be the number one primary guy in Houston? That's his team. Is that correct? Or is there something? Incorrect. No. Incorrect. Incorrect. Okay, go ahead. Incorrect. Okay, go ahead. No. It's going to be Jalen Green. <laughs> that's going to be Jalen Green. Yes, that's Jalen Green's team. Hands down. Okay. Yeah. That's not, it's so not even close. Hold on. So, yeah. let me ask, Thank let me ask you. you. The, the, most, the, the most talented player is Jalen Green. That's yeah. the team. Like when it comes to number one guys, it always goes by talent, not by salary. I, I think that's yeah. what Fred thought that because he thought he was more talented, he would never be number one guy with Siakam, OG, and and, and Scotty. Are you nuts? No. Yeah. And on, on Houston, he'll be the veteran voice. But to your point, yeah, Jalen okay. Green, that's his team. But but I do. But for him, I do think he'll have an opportunity to uh, be more productive in Houston than in Toronto. Because when you have powerhouses like Jalen Green, uh, and let's not let's Sorry, not get ourselves Van Goon. Let's Van not Udoka knows how to coach. Like he's gonna get these boys ready to go. And he has good schemes that takes advantage of guys off the ball. So I think Fred is gonna have an opportunity to probably do a lot better than what he's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go a lot further. I mean, I, I look at them as one of the Trojan horses in the in the NBA this this coming year. They're going to be interesting because he'll be the chief floor general, right? And then 
he'll be able to get the ball to um, some pretty hot. They have some shooting around. I mean, Houston's going to be interesting with Emei Udoka as the coach. I think they wanted to, they wanted to surround the youngsters because last year was a dumpster fire. They wanted to surround these youngsters with some veterans. You saw Jalen Green already working out with Fred Van Vliet in the offseason. Um, I mean, it could be, it, was, it sounds like it's, it was a good move for you guys and for um, and for Fred Van Fleet, it was time to separate. So he's moved on. And you guys have signed some, um, you have guys that have signed Yako Pirtle. Um, you guys have signed, I had to close that page, which had all the information because <laughs> of that, you know, but you signed a few few agents and, and then you have Grady Dick. You guys were able to, you know, I'm excited to see him on the mm-hmm. floor. So. Um, how do you feel about um, the pieces that you were able to bring in? And then uh, we'll get to Pascal. I'm happy with what we got. I mean, this free agency was very tough, uh, especially Yaka with Pearl, the Perdo is just someone I've been wanting the Nets to go after. Yeah, time. I think my sense. biggest concern was resigning him, Jakob. Like, yeah. I, I felt like he was the number one priority for me. And also getting in an actual point guard that can play point. Yeah. And I think Dennis Schroeder is actually a great, like, he's a, a, a the most underrated point guard. Even on, if you watch the Lakers series, he was the most consistent guy. Like, give the same production, uh, didn't play outside of himself, can play in a role, got guys involved, like Ruby, Reeves, those up, like, and, and he can play with LeBron. If you're a point guard that can play with LeBron, you can play with anybody. So I think his, his experience will be very helpful to Toronto. Uh, Grady Dick again. We need a shooter. I think we're the one of the second to worst shooting team in the league. Um, mm-hmm. I think a stat was like if we made one or two more threes last year, we would have been top six. That's disgusting. So <laughs> having Grady Dick that fits a problem and a challenge. So I'm not mad at any of our picks, but I think my biggest one was getting Yak back because we saw what Jokic did, and we need centers to do something in this league this year. So I'm happy with Pirtle. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I pretty much echo what uh, Nali J mentioned. Uh, Pirtle, very big Pirtle fan. I'm glad that we we got him locked up. Grady uh, Dick, like you said, the shooter. Uh, Marquis Noble or Marquis Noel, sorry, uh, from Villanova, the five foot seven uh, point guard. Uh, he looks to be somebody reminds me very much of Fred VanVleet, just in regards to uh, maybe undersized, um, but plays with a lot of heart. Uh, I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. But, yeah. but he passes more. But he passes more for him. He's an assist yeah. like assassin. I'll give him that. Yeah. He's so, a passer. Fred isn't a passer. He's a passer. <laughs> right. So we'll see how that. He'll, he'll, he'll probably maybe go to the G League, obviously. And then, so I think we made the right move in getting rid of Fred and picking up Schroeder. Uh, Schroeder, he is. He's a veteran in the league, and I think the difference that we're, we're going to see is we're going to really see. And I know you're going to ask about pascal uh this is kind of maybe maybe a segue into that but yeah uh, last season last season it was very much whose team is this is this pascal's team is this fred's team we had no idea what was going on is is this maybe scotty like there's a lot of maybes in there uh eliminating uh, fred from the equation putting in Schroeder, who's going to come in no one's ever going to be wondering if this is going to be Schroeder's team so there's one less person who just knows his role come in and feed uh be a team guy and feed the guys so i guess we're going to see eventually 
whose team this is going to be, if it's going to be Scotty's year to break out, if it's going to be Pascal's team, if OG's going to get a bit, uh, more of an opportunity to handle ball. There's going to be a lot of different changes. It's kind of addition by subtraction without Fred Van Vliet. Do you think they look at making some big swings, uh, making doing some big deals? Because I still wonder. Like, I, I get it. Schroeder, like, he's a role player. I got it. Like, he knows how to play his position, but I'm not pinning 15, 20 games on him late season in March, April to get into the playoffs, nor to go from. Yeah. From, as a point guard, though, I think. But, really, he's yeah. a bat, but he's a, as a point guard, I mean, it's hard to say that when we've seen him do it with like, like with our team, especially when you watch Toronto, like our number one guy score is Pascal. He's, okay. I think he's one out of five people that averages like 27. Like his numbers are top six numbers. And you know consistent. what I'm saying? And it's consistent. So, so, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Dennis doesn't have to do much, right? Then we have OG, top defender in the league. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this guy. So like we have some really good core pieces. But to your point, Scotty Barnes, if he can break out, all Dennis got to do is his role, right? So, and to be honest, watching Toronto Raptors last year, we didn't have a good backup point guard. Good ask Fahim. We didn't have any backup point guard. We had everyone playing point guard because Delano wasn't stepping up. Uh, you know, Malachi Flynn wasn't doing anything. So we haven't had a backup point guard in, in, in about two years, which is so sad. So having a point guard now, a true point guard that can maybe help the veteran guys because they're a piece of point guard, help these guys develop, help them understand what that, that means to play. We never had that before because Freddie's a shooting guard playing a point guard because he's short. Let's be real. So, yes, he may not be relying to win games, but I think the value of him, like Fim says, to get out the way, play your role. I think we, we missed that so much the last year. We didn't have anyone. Everyone, everyone wants to be a star, <laughs> right? We need guys to come in and play their role. And Schroeder does not want to be a star. On our depth chart, I, I, probably, I agree with that. I agree with that. Like, that's just my only concern is that where's my star power going to come from? You're facing Boston. You got two guys that can put up 60, 65, uh, you go to Milwaukee, you got two guys, that'll, three guys that'll give you 80. Uh, right. You got, oh yeah, you got uh, Philly, they can, yeah. they can put buckets up. Yeah, uh, that's nothing, Jalen. Yeah. Score too, you know what I mean? So you're yeah, right, like, right. And, and that's why I'm Where saying like- Where are you gonna keep up with five? And the Knicks, well, I, I, I think Jalen Ramsey and I think they're gonna have in, in um, you know, their pick, you know, like their point guard, they're gonna have, and they had a year under their belt together. Next season yeah. could be a really good season. And I'm a Nets fan, so for me to say yeah, this- of course. <laughs> I think it's going to be good next season. I really you do. You know what? I, I, that's why for me, this is the year for Scotty Barnes. If he doesn't step up this year, I'm off this guy. I'm off of him. Like, I'm not wait In the NBA, there's no time for waiting. Like, you don't have, like, you don't have two, three years to figure stuff out. So this is my break it or make it for Scotty. Like, he needs to, he needs to improve. I need to see more from Scotty. Because for me, to your point, that's the issue. We were reliant on Scotty to step up this season to help with the with the star power and i think that didn't happen and yeah. i felt like he was there were there were games guys where we're like is scotty like on off is he, he was passing the ball not even trying to score we're like what are you doing dog you know some games so, i'm like where's scotty like where yeah where? like scotty was going missing yeah. so to me to your point i agree that's why i'm saying they're relying on scotty to be the next one up for for siakam 
Our star power should be Scotty and Siak and Scott, Siakam and OG. Those are three should be our power guys. So this is to me their, their last year's experiment, to your point. And by the midway, trust me, if they're not doing what's supposed to be done, Pascal's out, OG's out. Like we're gonna start a whole thing again. Like we can't do it anymore. Like I think this is the last season for us to figure out this experiment of Pascal, OG, and Scotty. So okay. Brennan, I understand your question uh when you're saying about where's our if we have one more or another deal coming in or like swinging for the fence type because uh shorter you're right shorter is not the, he's not the one um yeah. but at like i think it's like two years uh, let's see here two years 26 okay jr smith sorry jr smith you're right right he's you know uh, we're not spending a lot to get him so i mean we still yeah. have enough cap that we can go out and get that that make that that big deal you're talking about um yeah. you get that big deal we're talking about though it's going to possibly include maybe we're, we're ready for this for the, maybe the pascals or maybe the ogs or just more a more key person would have to be included in that and what Absolutely. time and what Absolutely. type of team we'd look after that right so i understand and, and, and you know what that happen my, I, I, I don't think we are tied like i love pascal and og but i want to win and so if we can get a bigger star it, to me like i'm like it, it's hard because you know, I don't think our players know who they are. Like if OG's telling people that he wants to dribble more, OG, you dribble off your foot every game. Like this is weird to me, right? Like you can't be, you can't be saying I want to the ball more when I fall, but when you're stumbling, you're sliding on the floor every game. Like OG, get better at dribbling and then say that. You know what I'm saying? I just think that the guys in our team are so delusional. And and, and I'm like, who's talk? Who's telling you all these these false these false accusations? So that's why, to your point. Darko, from what I'm hearing from players, from people that I know there, he is a different coach. Like, he is very disciplined. I'm hearing good things drills. about him. I'm hearing they're, like, things about girl, Darko. They're doing I drill drills. Like, they're not just shooting. They're doing drill drills. Grantick was like, I'm doing something I've never done before in my life. Like, he's a guy that I think we've been waiting for. That's why I'm really excited to see how they get better. Because last season, guys, I felt like we were moving up. And last year, we dropped. Like, we, went, we got worse in a year. And we were like... What happened to the defense? What happened to our offense? Like, what happened to this team? Yeah. Right? I just, so I, I'm with you. I love it. I, I just am worried this, this, the NBA is so top heavy. <laughs> like, having a good coach to teach skills to role players, you know who did that last year, who did a great job and didn't get past the first round? Mike Brown. Mm. Yeah. But, but, but he was who, playing the but, Warriors. But, but, I don't but disagree, but you're always going to play. You're always going to play. Let's call it Boston. You're going to play. Yeah, but keep in mind, Boston, Boston beat, but Boston was lost to a team of role players too. Max Schuess ain't no guy. Gabe Vincent ain't that guy. Uh, Killer Martin ain't that guy. They're all role players. So to your point, I agree. Like that is an issue. But to be honest, Boston last year, we saw the, the, the cluster in the fourth quarter of whose ball is it? it is. To Fahim's point, people are battling to be the guy between Tatum and Brown. Like, they have their own problems, right? That I can't worry about. I think with Toronto, we need we need we need people to know their roles. I'm looking at Denver as the pinnacle team, right? That team is very unselfish. It's pass first. Everyone's a pass first guy on that team. No one hogs the ball on Denver. Like everyone just passing the ball. I'm like, this is the most. Starter. Yeah, right. that's that's a team that that's a team to beat right now. So I think I'm not looking at Boston. I'm not looking at. I'm looking at Jokic and Jamal Murray and MPJ and Prawn and all these guys that are coming off the bench impacting the game. That's how you, yeah. and to me, 
that's something that we can mimic we can't mimic bossy we don't got two guys like that but we can mimic a team and say you know what let's get a great center let's feed each other let's play unselfish and let's just try to win with some good defense i think we can do more of the miami style in denver than we, we can't mimic warrior they got a step we can't mimic Boston. they got a jason tatum but we can mimic the, I think the miami, miami success yeah. last year made um made getting to the eastern conference finals reachable for teams that don't have two super that may not have two or three superstars like you know you have jimmy who you know like you know you got playoff jimmy but playoff jimmy was a consistent in the playoffs i think part of it was he was injured but he mm-hmm. was great um he was really great in one series and then i think maybe the injury started to bother him a little bit more in the next um so i think that having two dependable stars that are healthy at the right time having the team be reasonably healthy for playoff ball because players are all worn down after an 82 game season even if they were injured for half of it you still that's wear and tear on the body you know that's the key to winning because you look at denver they were relative they were healthier yeah. than a lot of other teams on the east or the west so i right. think when it comes to the playoffs you know like the low management thing is going to be interesting next year with the awards you have to play 65 games to be eligible for awards i love I it i think that's going to be interesting now as we look at your coaching staff you guys um you know like yeah you started talking about you know we can close out with the coaching staff um you know, Darko, I've heard good things about Darko. Um, Nelly, you already talked about the things you've heard and the drills and of that of that sort. You know, you guys also, re- you know, hired um, the coach from the WNBA um, yes. NGM. You brought him in as um, an assistant coach and that was sent to uproar in, in the WNBA. I he mean, did. what do you... What are you looking at, um, you know, in terms of your assistant coaches and what what do you think about what you guys have in place so far and um, versus last year? I mean, Nick Nurse is gone. So, new squad. Yeah. I think we have coaches from really good franchises, right? Um, mm-hmm. We got Delani um, and he's from, uh, I mean, he's been a league for a very long time. So I like that he has that kind of background. Um, mm-hmm. He played, I think he was with like, whew, he was with like uh, Magic, uh, Wizards and different things, Hornets. Like he's been in basketball for a long time. So we have, we, 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 I think last year our coaching staff was a lot of guys, um, you know, when Nick came in, he took Dwayne Casey's coaching staff. He had a lot of great coaches who now, who actually got coaching jobs with other teams and were head coaches, a la, you know, the Finch of the Minnesota, you know, Kings. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I think... Nick Nurse lost a lot of the coaches that were really smart and it showed last year. <laughs> um, I do like uh, the pickup, uh, the, the, uh, um, who is it? Um, Ma Lila, La Lila. He's from Jama. the Warriors. Jamma, Jamma. Yes. Yeah, you got yeah. yeah, he's from the Warriors. So that's great. Mm-hmm. He might bring yeah. some, you know, interesting insight mm-hmm. there. He's right. Um, also like, uh, he's also with the four originally, right? Say that again? Wasn't he also yeah, yeah, the he was the head coach of he a couple years ago. Right. Yeah, he was the head coach in 2018 to 2020. Um, okay. So, like, yeah, that was, like, you know, pre-pandemic era, I should say. Um, 
we got a guy from Chicago Sky, right? Wade, uh, Batiste. He's from the Rockets. Yeah. Like we mm-hmm. have guys from different franchises, and I think yeah. like this is really great for us because the guys who've been, been our coaches have been around there Toronto for a long time, and I think we got stale. Okay. We got kind of stale. So I'm happy for the new coaches, the new um, um, vision. And you can tell the, t- the players are excited. Like new faces sometimes bring in new energy, new mindset, new like ambition. New, So I-, I think it's a good thing. There isn't really any coach that I'm like concerned about. Um, I think our coaches have various backgrounds, various like, and they're all basketball guys. They've all, some, some have played with different teams. Some have actually coached before 11. I think that's the Sam guy, SA- sorry, San. He's been 11 seasons with the team, like with the Knicks. Like, <laughs> we have guys from all over on this coaching staff. So I'm loving it. I'm really loving it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nelly thoughts? Everything Nelly J said, she pretty much covered everything. She pretty much about. covered it. Man, man, y'all know y'all team. And <laughs> the thing about love about y'all, y'all love y'all team inside and out. <laughs> you you tell the truth about them. You, you know, sugarcoating. It is what it is. What I will say is, I feel like every trade season, there's rumors about a Toronto, a top Toronto player. I feel like this year, if OG and Pascal are not what your front office do not are do are not what do not produce what your front office is looking for in terms of the locker room and on the floor, there's going to be a change at the trade deadline. Um, I won't be. I think they're both going to be on the roster. Um, at the opening of the season, but it's possible one of them will be shipped out by the trade deadline. That's Um, because it's been, you know, they both keep coming up and I just don't think Messiah seen the, uh, like what he's getting, what the teams are proposing is not enough or not what he's looking for at this point in time, enough for him to ship out anybody. You know, it's all, you know, anybody's tradable if it's the right package. Right. right, right. Um, And, I, I just think well, not well, Lillard, unless but... you know if they if if if, if, there's a, if there's a great relationship between the front office and the player and you know and, and everything that's great but if not any player is tradable so we'll see what happens um and how would you, let me ask real quick how would you grade the relationship between players coaching staff how would you characterize that it's kind of new staff, new, so. we have a new coaching staff right so we have just I, in the coaching culture i should say like i know that they've changed over mm-hmm. was it really like bad? from darko from nurse to darko is a big like they need to build that you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. I, I, the front really office the relationship between players in the front office is mm-hmm. that what you mean um or no no coaches from before this current staff was it that bad where mm-hmm. like hey yeah, like it's significant. Like morale was in the dumps. I, I don't know. I don't know much about. Yeah, and we don't really know much about it. We did hear that there's some kind of locker room veteran, um, like a split between veteran players and younger players that was kind of happening this season. But in regards to how the coaches went, I really, I have no idea. I really don't. I don't. But I actually, I want to ask this on the way out real quick. Um, so. It's well documented. I've Pascal Siakam since Kawhi's left. He's kind of inherited uh, the team, and I've never felt he was a number one option. Uh, meaning, like you know, there's maybe 50, fifteen players in the league that are like really real number one options, and then you have like you know anything after fifteen to twenty is like made the maybes, and then you know, 
Um, Pascal, I just didn't think that he was in that that upper echelon of type player. I don't. I would never thought to say, well, you know what? If you're going to win a championship with Pascal Siakam being your guy, especially after having that kind of guy in Kawhi Leonard. Um, but some some people in Toronto, uh, maybe at the time, even if they didn't think it, they're willing to be open to give Pascal a chance to grow into the position. Uh, now he is four or five years in. Um, I still don't feel like he's grown into the position. Um, this is me as being a Toronto fan who watched him regularly. I just want to know for you, Malika uh, and Brandon, on the outside looking in, do you see Pascal Siakam as a number one option for a team that's going to do anything? I see him as a number two or three option. Mm-hmm. I think he can be a key piece, a top piece in the championship team, right. but I don't see him as a number one option. Mm-hmm. Maybe this year he'll shock us. And um, not shock, shock is not the right word. Maybe this year he'll make the leap necessary to be the number one option. But at this point, if he hasn't shown it with as long as he's been in the league, maybe it's not there. I think he could be a solid number two, though. Um, 100%. I, I agree. I think he's I in the number two for sure. Yeah. I, I would say maybe a number yeah, two. I think more closer to number three. Yeah. Uh, of what it takes. If you get a superstar in the building, that's going to be ball dominant. So when we talk about these top 15, 20 guys, they're holding the ball, they're controlling pace and space. I just worry that he wouldn't have that. And then I haven't seen in the NBA, I haven't, I'm not saying it, it doesn't happen, it can't happen. I haven't seen guys just naturally grow into, I'm the number one guy who are, who never were the number one guy from that skill set. I just haven't seen it happen in the NBA that much. I mean, never, it, Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi Leonard did it. Jimmy Butler did it. Like I'm saying, they were two point guys. That was what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I agree. I, I think it's possible. Um, you know, Fahim had had this um, this narrative of Pascal. You guys kind of fed into his narrative so well. <laughs> like he's been saying this since 2019, y'all. This is nasty work, Fahim. Listen, man, Pascal don't gotta be. I think Pascal could be a one B, right? I think he he could be a one B to a Tatum. He could be a one B to a lot of the guys in this league. Uh, Pascal's numbers is top top ten numbers, <laughs> and if he's a top, if his numbers are top ten, then in, in in a 30 30 team league, maybe he could be number one option. I, I think it's unfair to say he can't be number one option. I just think he's never had a talented team behind him. We haven't had great talent since that championship run. We actually had, yo, we went we haven't had actual true centers since since Yak came back this year. <laughs> That's guys. He was playing number five for the last two years because we we couldn't find a center. We had Alex Len, we had these scrubs coming in doing nothing. Like Pascal hasn't, hasn't had a fair chance to really be in his role with the actual team around him. Yak, when Yak came back with our best, I think, uh, games run with having a center. So it's unfair to say that for me, I think Pascal, if we can get Yak back, we can get proper like coaching back. Um, like I said, this is his year to prove that because now he has a center. So Pascal would have to guard the five, which he was the last two seasons. I think we will see what he can and cannot do. But to say he can't do it with his numbers right now is like, nah. Like, he's a, numbers are amazing in the, in the regular season. So we can't deny the amount of power forward averaging seven assists. What? How many power forwards average seven assists in a season? Like, he can pass. He can he can shoot. The man is hard to defend. No one can stop him. He gets doubled, I think, uh, more than... I think, I think the double that he gets is probably also top 10. So if we're, if we're doubling as much as other top 10 guys... I think you. I think that tells me that teams respect him. I think because he's not American background, he's not 
on a lot of people's media. He's really quiet. He keeps himself. He's never in the club or a strip. He's really always on a yacht, traveling the oceans. Like Pascal's a very private guy. And I think if he was doing this on any of the team, he'd be number one option. But because he's in Toronto, we're in the abyss. I think people think he can't be. So I'm going to wait till Pascal plays with Yak Pertle, who's back with a proper guard. And then I guess I can see, I, I can maybe fall into Fahim narrative, or I'm like, no, he can be a 1B. But I think I he's going to be Go ahead. Go ahead. I just think, yeah, the roster surrounding him would be, that's key for any player to step up. Yes. The roster construction <laughs> built around him, a team built around his strength. It hasn't happened yet, Malika, too. Well, you know, that's why I said I could see him as a number two, because I don't feel like he's had the roster. Never had it. Um, and I say number one, I'm, I'm really talking about. Like superstar, like a Luka. Going to the finals. Like, yeah. you are going okay, to the finals. I think, I actually do think. Yeah. I'm going to say it again with the right roster. I think he could, you know, with his numbers that he's putting out with a roster not built around him. If a roster has more that suits him, I think he can be, Pascal can be a number two. I really, not a number one. He's not a number mm -hmm. one. But no, I think he I, can I be agree there. I don't think he's a 1A, but I think he could be a 1B. Like him and a Zach yeah. Levine would be great. Him and a, um and B could be great. Like, you know what I'm saying? As a 1B, because even when they're doubling in B, Yo, if Pascal's open, he's cooking whoever is guarding him. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Jalen Brown with Jason Tatum, how they're 1A, 1B, right? People think Jalen Brown could be number one. I don't think he, I don't think he can be. So, no, like, he's I, not that guy. But besides Jason Tatum, though, he looks fantastic. And he's a 1B on that team. So, I think he can be a 1B. But, no, I don't think he's in the same breath as LeBron. The eight, the, yeah, he's, no, he's okay. not there. Uh, but I think a 1B, I think he could do that. I really I'll, let, that. I'll let Malika close out. But I just want to say... Um, so when you have Jalen, when you have uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, um, there's a distinction between the two, even though one's one A and one B. To me, Jason Tatum is a franchise one number one option. To me, Jalen Brown is a number two option. If Jalen Brown goes to another team, I do not see Jalen Brown is winning. You're not going to win a championship. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So but, you know, but when you have you could, call B, say, you could still have the one A and one B that distinguish, but there's still like a noticeable difference. And I think that's the same with Pascal Siakam. I think Pascal, I agree. If we are going to do the one A and one B, that's fine. But I think he's more Jalen Brown than he is Jason Tatum. I'm landing. Mm, we'll see. Because the numbers are, you know, we'll see. Numbers without a it's second numbers, star yeah. is a lot oh. easier than numbers with a superstar. Yeah, at <laughs> that point, like imagine he had a second star that was averaging over twenty, like twenty-five points with Pascal. That's nasty. Like, I'm he saying he wouldn't get those. Points. That's my point. I'm saying he would. Not he wouldn't speak. get those touches. No, I well, think he could be more well, efficient. Well, well, I think he could be more efficient. Well, he would though, because remember last year Carter had two guys averaging twenties. Freddie and Pascal averaged twenties, right? But our defense was trash, and we couldn't shoot the ball. If we put shooters and proper people around him, like, listen, okay. Jimmy Butler got shooters around him. He had hustle guys, hustle defensive players around Jimmy okay. Butler. I, all I'm saying yeah. is that it's hard to say this guy can be that if we've never built a team around him. It, it, to me, okay. it's like, we can think, yes, he's not a superstar like Jason Tatum, but his numbers, he's, mm -hmm. I mean, he's been all-NBA team. Like, to make an all-NBA team, that means that you're top 15 in the league. <laughs> like, that's not an easy route to make an all-NBA team, team twice. He did it twice I, already. Uh, so I again, just, I, I'm just saying. No, I, I agree. I, 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 I just worry about. I'm just saying, build a team around him, give him some shooters, give him a center that he can Miami play for. Miami is an anomaly. Position. 
That's a huge anomaly that does not happen in the NBA. But I think what Miami did is he gave up. They gave other teams hope. They are the to be a number exactly. eight Don't disagree with it. I don't disagree that it's hope. I don't disagree that it's hope. What they did hope ain't the norm. No, it's not no, the norm. But, but it okay, but the Warriors was hope too. And everyone what? Was the, the Warriors gave teams hope that I can pick a lot a bunch of shooters and make a make a championship run. But you don't got stuff for Clay. Like I think at the end of the day, it's hope. But it's it's unfair to say. Uh, listen, there's no way you can make an All NBA team and you're not top, you're not top 15, right? That means NBA, you're a top guy in this league, right? Now to say Papa number one, that's fine. He's not Luca. He's not the superstars. That's okay. But if you build the right pieces around him, we saw we did in the playoffs, but beside Kawhi Leonard, right? As a one B, his numbers were as great as Kawhi Leonard. It was like 21, I think, in terms of averaging. He wasn't averaging nine points, right? As the number two guy. To me, for averaging plus 20 in a playoff run, that's really good. That's hard to do. So that's why I'm saying, like, yes, he can't be number number three, I think is wrong. I think number two, cool. But I think he can't. It, it's hard to say he cannot be that when he's averaging so, like, doing, doing so well in the regular season. It's hard. It's hard. Well, okay. Last thing the difference between regular season and the playoffs, Jimmy Butler, he did not make an NBA team this year, right? He, he made it. He didn't make it. He did? What, what, yes. which, he was a third team? He made second team. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Anything else for him? Listen, I got, I got my, I got my, I got my, listen. We, got my we, team. Have this, no, we no, can no, have this, we can have this debate, you know, into the, into the, into the, Sorry, into guys. the stratosphere. Felicia, I have to do because for him always creates his I can his tell this he is something y'all go back and forth on, on, um, Pascal Siakam and and, and I him being a big conversation. Oh, thank you, man. Great. Appreciate y'all. Great Sorry, y'all. About, about the hotness as usual as, as a cribbing no y'all on the podcast. Yeah, y'all have, y'all have a good one. All right. Later. <laughs>